time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Listeners, we're going to get an exciting topic. Okay, so maybe credit reporting isn't the most exciting topic we could talk about in the industry. It's been around forever, not a lot of changes, but let's find out what has changed with us. We have joining us today, Jeff and Kurt from National Credit Reporting Systems, NCS, and we're delighted to have them. They're also, I would full disclosure, they are also Lender One members. We are as well. We always promote the co-ops that we are part of, and we're glad to have you here. Gentlemen, joining me also is Mark Helm, my co-host. Good to have you here on the conversation, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. Nice to meet you, gentlemen. Nice to meet you. Thank you. We talked the other day, gentlemen, about what's going on in the credit reporting world. I'm looking forward to getting an update from you. But before we do that, let's start with you, Kurt. This is a family-held business. I thought we'd get a little of your background and a little bit of your story to how you got to where you're at. <laughs> sure. Hey, yeah, thank you for having us on, David. We really appreciate it. And yeah, so NCS really started with my dad getting into credit reporting in 1961. So he started with CBI. Wow. Facts. Yeah, so he's been in the space for a long time. So he started Credit Central in 1978, which became NCS. Right. And Credit Central held a number of files, and uh, NCS went along to become a RMCR provider. So you remember those. We did those for some time and then got into 4506Ts and, and all that kind of good stuff. So it's been a long ride. I always enjoy talking to family owned businesses. And when it's a second generation, in your case, you've taken it over and doing it. Your dad's still involved to some degree, if I understand correctly, but you're up there pretty much leading the charge. Is that correct? I am. We, we were talking yesterday about how all these, these credit reporting agencies started, but it was just, for instance, Service First started as a, in 1926, it's just a single bureau. If you had a feed store, that feed store would want to know if the farmer down the street stiffed his competitor, right? And so you had entrepreneurs that yeah. would go along and say, hey, can you give us your files? And the next time a farmer comes in, we'll let you check our whole file system, all of our cabinet drawer. And so from there, you just had acquisition after acquisition, culminating in a very large, probably last large acquisition in 2012, Equifax purchased from CSC Credit Services, a file in the whole middle part of the country for a billion in cash. It, it has been a long ride. It has been. That's a significant amount of money. And you sit and look about the importance of data and these files. So yeah, the credit reporting world has come a long way. So I'm looking forward to getting it and getting started. Jeff Gentry, good to have you here with us as well. You've been in the credit reporting business, not quite as long as his dad, but you've been around this industry for a little bit of your journey. Yeah, I actually started my career into this space in 2001 with another family-owned business back in the day, Factual Data. The Donnans owned that one, and that's where I cut my teeth and got stuck into this industry, and it's hard to get out. It's hard to get yeah. out. But, uh, you can say um, about mortgage lending in general, but certainly I think that's even 
through the niches, various niches in there. That's for sure. Yeah. So like Kurt was talking about RMCRs, when I first started in this space, that was one of the big things. You didn't do supplements or anything like that back in those times. If they needed to update the credit report, you did every line item and it took hours and hours and time and from the lenders and the consumers. A lot of things have changed since then and we're doing things a lot quicker and faster today. That's good. Guys, where do you see the innovation coming in the, the business you're in today? We see innovation everywhere in our industry and credit reporting has been around for God knows how long, but where do you see the next innovations coming and how they affect our business? It's going to be April of, of two, uh, 2024, right next year. So we got all these changes coming from FHFA. I think we go from a tri-merge to a bi-merge then, and then we move on to the scores and so forth and so on. I think with respect to FHFA, that's the biggie. When we look at all of these services, right? So many of the consumer reporting agencies that serve the mortgage marketplace, we have a variety of services, not just credit reporting, but also of the income verification, ID verification, so forth. And then there's a lot going on around income. You're seeing a lot of entrance in the marketplace. Because income, it needs to be data, right? So often we've been seeing it through pay stubs or paper copies of W-2s you know, it's got to be data. Data provides transparency. And when we look at the big picture, it's around income analysis, income calculations. And so that's been a lot of the entrance right now. It's been around calculating income. So we have a solution called Income Plus, which takes a very light touch. Uh, that's something that we had heard from the mortgage industry that many of the uh, participants for mortgage calcs have really been very heavy handed and so the underwriters were having a hard time getting around that. So we took a, a much lighter touch and we used the tax transcript data and OCR where appropriate. So I think that's a big place. Jeff, anything to add to that? If I say data, you're really talking about electronically be able to bring in the data. And I want to make sure if you could elaborate a little bit on that, Kurt, when you say data, I agree with you, but how is that data being handled? Because it's always been about the data, but it's been coming in in the old way. Now the data is coming in electronically, is I believe what you're referring to, correct? Yeah, so if it's a PDF of a pay stub, right, or an right. OCR, or not OCR, but an image of the pay stub, we're still working with a non-text readable image. So somebody right. has to transcribe that. We want to get away completely from any transcribing. We want it to be data, and even better if it's source data coming from the IRS we're coming from the bank. That's what we want. When he's talking about those, the originals that we used to get, you get a PDF or a picture. Somebody took a picture on their phone of their W-2 or something. It doesn't do good with data. With OCR and some of the things that we're doing today, we're able to get that information and actually make it usable. So the, our customers are able to put in some specific KPIs on the data and look at reporting and how is this going to affect me kind of thing. A um, couple of the other things that are innovating this year uh, or that started last year, we had the ECBSV, which is the SSA 89 that can be electronically signed. It was the last piece of the entire mortgage process that was still requiring a wet signature um, about middle of last year. In fact, uh, we got started in it in the middle of last year. They had done some beta a little bit before that, but it has become pretty important. I think people are really excited at first, and then they had to do a little bit of work on it just to fill out some forms for the SSA to get it going. But now it's, I was just actually talking on my sales call today, and, and my sales team has been saying that everybody out there 
current customers, prospects, everybody that we're talking to is we need the ECBSB. And I think a big part of that is most people are still trying to figure out what the best customer experience is. And if you got people out there like me, I would rather do the entire process on my phone, not have to talk to anybody unless they make me kind of thing. With getting that electronic signature for the ECBSV really has stepped it up. That's really important. How is the industry responding to the FICO pricing issues? That has been such a significant impact on the world. I mean, you just, everyone groaning as costs are going up and that's been a big contributing factor. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start on that. When that was announced, I think we were all at the NBA annual last year in Nashville. And I was actually standing next to a couple of people that worked for Fannie Mae. And they were like, I have not heard anything about this. And it's going to be implemented when? Yeah, when? And so everybody was just, obviously, there were some people that weren't caught off guard, but so many people were caught off guard at that conference and since then so since last october there's been so much conversation going on i'm actually on the board of directors for NACRA, the national consumer reporting association and we've been discussing it in fact we had in our board meeting in october it's like what was that what are we doing how's this all gonna fit i think it's been worked on we we're talking to kurt this morning and he said that terry who is our the chief executive for the NACRA, NACRA organization said that we've all known that it's been coming there's been such a monopoly with all three repositories being shoved down your throat, requirements, all that kind of stuff. And so I think they did a really good job of, of finally, let's make it a choice, make this happen. Except that then they made you have to have two different scores. So that's what happened. The FICO increased their pricing like crazy. Vantage actually increased their pricing. And so you pick two repositories, but still you have two scores per person per repository. FHFA We'll see. Kurt was actually on the ResTech meeting yesterday, and there was people talking about it with MBA ResTech. And Kurt said there was an overwhelming round of, we hear you, but nothing like, okay, we're going to do this and this and this. We have enough associations out there that are talking to people, pushing things, making people realize that there are some issues. There are some things that maybe didn't get completely thought out and thought through. You were talking about a few of those. Yeah, all of the models, right? You can think of all of these models that are used on the secondary market, the risk-based pricing models. Thank God that their scores have a similar score range. But how are some lenders still going to pull all three? Right, LOs do not want to miss a score. So are they going to go with all three or are they going to do two? What's going to happen with VA? What's going to happen with USDA? What's going to happen with FHA? Where are they going to land their office? There is a lot. That's just touching the top yeah. layer here. So there's just a lot that has to be ironed out coming up into, into April. Brilliant. Yeah, I want to ask a couple questions if I could. David and I have been around this industry a long time. And back when I started, you basically took a credit application and called your little local credit office and you had to give them the credit so they could verify it because national reporting wasn't anything like it is today. And then when I get the information back and I'm sitting out at the bar, he said, that's great. That's great. They didn't pick up on that other loan. You've you heard have. that before. So I got a series of questions and you guys can answer them in any way you want to. Nowadays, we all get solicited from for different versions of our FICO score from God knows wherever, from every credit card we got, wants to give us information, independent third parties solicit them. I think a lot of them are scams to just get you information and all that stuff. How reliable do you think the FICO score is in our industry today? That's number one. 
And number two, if you believe it's reliable, do you think we will ever, with some minimal advances in our industry, be able to use the FICO score to basically qualify our bar? And then it's just the loan to income comparison. It will be the secondary factor that's added for it. So those are just two questions that, because you guys have been around it and doing it forever, I just want to throw those out on the table. Yeah, I'll try to start here. Up until January of next year, whenever they released, I think it's FICO 10. It's the FICO scores that have been used up until then, I believe, were 07 or 08. So there's been a lot of changes in technology. There's been a lot of changes in consumer behavior. One of the things we used to talk about is they always talk about the ability to pay. And that's what a credit report is trying to do. But until they can figure out how you can determine the willingness to pay, that's always going to be a kind of a tough road there. The FICO is going to come out and it's going to say, based on this criteria, this person over millions of consumers is very likely to pay this loan off or pay it back. Talking about that as a second part, I still think that one of the most important things that our customers do today, and I think that what a lot of lenders should be able to do in this space today is still have some touch on that consumer, some touch on that borrower. I don't know if it's ever going to get to a point where they do a loan to income, make sure the collateral's there, and then a FICO score. You still need to make sure that person is alive, <laughs> that person can fog a mirror, that that person can have a, an actual conversation. And then justify is, does it make sense for this consumer on the purchase that they're doing? So I think Kurt was talking the data, the data is always going to be there is definitely coming in a lot better, but I still think that there's the human touch and there's some pieces to that. It's going to be important for the duration of doing mortgages. You mentioned something very interesting. You mentioned willingness to pay. David and I both come from a long history in mortgage banking. We've both been long officers at one time in our career. And I can attest to you that we probably sat across the table for some people taking an application before. And before we were finished with the application, we say, this guy's going to default in six months. Our <laughs> attitude about making a payment is just not the right place. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Kurt, you remember you responding on Mark's question. I'd love to get your thoughts. Yeah, I was thinking about Angelo Mazzillo having recently passed here. And I know Angelo was a big proponent way back in the day of moving from the RMCR to the score process and was a big advocate of that and, and got us moving in that direction. I think you're going to have these scores, right? You've got a lot of consumer advocates, right, that are starting to get into the whole data. And am I volunteering my data? Am I not volunteering my data? And whose data is it? And, and all of those discussions, right? But outside of those, you know, the score is still the best way to judge the character, right? Our three C's of credit, because that's the character of that individual that's paying off that loan, or, or you're trying to see what kind of character they have for whatever that obligation is that they're they're uh, looking to get into. So you're not seeing the character score go away at all and at any time soon? I don't think so. I mean, I know that there is, right, we're trying to look at, I believe Brent Chandler has a solution that he's working on right now. And Brent yep. is a very smart and savvy guy. So yeah. I don't I put that past him, but I think you are going to have credit reporting because it's incorporating so much of your transactions. Right. So many from rental to how you pay any of your utilities to anything that's going on in your personal life with respect to your alimony. 
right? Or any of that stuff. There's so much that's going on there within your credit file. One other question, and that is, it's always been an issue, and people I talk to tell me it's better now than it's ever been. But how often do you run into situations on credit reporting where something needs to be corrected? And how hard is it get, to get that done these days? So that's one of the things I think differentiates us. Every CRA out there has their best staff in, their, in the operations office in the back. Our platform is just a lot of the other ones out there where a consumer or the lender says, I need to get this trade line updated. I need to verify this payment or things, whatever that is. Our turn times that we get that stuff done. That's one of the things that I think is most important to us. We take full responsibility on getting those things done. I just saw some numbers this morning. I think we're getting about 80% of them done in less than 12 hours. And that's for us, that's something we can hang our hat on. It's really important for us because we know that, especially those lenders, when you get right down to the final few days before closing and they're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to do this, or I forgot to update that, or I need to get this done as soon as possible because we got to close tomorrow at two or something like that. Turn times for us on all of our services that we do are extremely important, very simple to do. It's all electronic, comes in, and then we do the uh, updates and, and supplements manually on the back end. What do you see coming for the industry in the future here? We talked a little bit about it yesterday, and I know David and Mark, I know you guys are all on top of this and you hear it all the time with inventory shortages, uh, shortage of in inventory in places, in areas, some places it's not. In Northern Colorado, I think I was telling you that we're still building completely, it's going crazy, the building that is still going on over here to see what's actually going to happen next year with interest rates, some things like that. It's really up in the air. And I've, I get lenders and some of our customers that call me and say, what do you think? And I'm like, I'll tell you what I think today, but I'm going to be like Fanny and Freddie economists and give me a chance to change that tomorrow if I feel like it. Yeah, I think from my standpoint, it is, especially with where we are right now, right? Most lenders that are sticking in this thing, right? They've gotten themselves right sized. They've gotten their staff right sized. Now it comes down to a lot of these transitional or bridge technologies. That's what we have our eyes on, is how can we get lenders from those paper processes to the data processes? So we talked about income. I think that's real low hanging fruit. How can we move you, right, from when we looked at the income side, we see that, you know, the LO was doing their own income calc, processor was doing their income calc, and the underwriter was doing their income calc, and they were trying to figure out why None of them matched up. So how can we create systemic processes across the board for income? You just want to limit this paper. I think that's the low hanging fruit is income and how can we get all of that data driven? And then from there, it's collateral. It's the property. Now, what is going to happen with these property values so that we can get around them much easier, that we can get them much easier. And again, with appraisers aging out, that is a huge issue. And lastly, I think of these flood zones. We have these 100-year events that are occurring now that are changing yeah. the FEMA maps. And what is going to happen with all of this insurance? You've got representatives that are lobbying to their districts like crazy. Oh, we don't want them on this map. We don't want them on that map. No, we shouldn't be. This stuff is going on. So what's going to happen with the insurances? So. I see maybe the flood insurance piece being a little bit less, but certainly one that is going to continue rising to the forefront, you know, as those maps keep getting changed up. 
What about FHFA uh, extending the deadline for the two bureaus? Thoughts? Let me take a stab at that, Jeff. Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of that. As we said, it's a really tough. Not only the originators, but servicers, and again, entities downstream that are evaluating those packages. How in the world are they going to get their models updated in time? Those models have taken into account multiple cycles, right? So all of that has to be emulated in whatever model they come up with. So these are huge undertakings that have to occur, let alone everything we were talking about with FHA, VA, USDA, having to get behind it, what's going on with non-qualifying. Everybody's got to get retrained from the LO to the processor to the underwriter. The risk-based, all of that has to be modified. So it's a lot. Yeah. What about compliance? The compliance burden easing in any way? Especially not right now with all of these states filling in the vacuum because the federal government has not stepped in. In terms of our operation, we're keeping an eye on what's going on in California, what's going on in New York, Vermont, Virginia. All of these states have stepped in with respect to consumer privacy and having to stay on top of all of those laws or register with the states or wherever the case might be, it is a lot. And as a CRA, we have a lot there. Lenders have a lot from their registration standpoint. So we really need the federal government to step up and to take this on. Yeah, great point. I got a question you might think is a little bit weird, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think, and I'm asking you as credit professionals this question, and you might wonder why I'm asking you this, but that's exactly why I'm asking you. Do you think that the, the outflow of major insurance companies from California and Florida due to the terrific fires and storms that we've had that has affected that state, do you think that's going to add a new complexity to credit worthiness of people because of, for lack of a better term, the reserve status that a person has to have to handle things because they got a lot more marginal insurance companies placing the coverage in the states with these bigger players like State Farm and Allstate bailing out. Do you think that's going to have an effect on credit in the near future? So in terms you know, of the worthiness, the worthiness of the consumer because there's less records or there's less... Less valid and proven coverage than we've had before when you lose major players like State Farm and Allstate out of California and Florida. Sure. So I think there's a lot to that question. The insurance companies taking off, uh, that's one thing. I know that State Farm used to have a huge office, like campus, just like 10 minutes from my house here. And they changed that about, well, during COVID, that whole office group that was there is now remote. And so they can not only having people leave states and doing different things, but they got a lot of people that are leaving states, spending a lot of time and money to leave, for instance, leaving California for Texas or something like that. I also think that one of the issues with that is for the longest time, especially in the last few years, even if the you're sitting across from somebody and you're thinking, I don't know if they're going to pay their, if they're actually paying off this mortgage as a priority. It really wasn't that big of a deal because equity kept growing into those, in those properties. And do I think, I think that pandemic is still, we still don't know. With that pandemic, there's people that have used all of their savings just to, to stay afloat. 
I saw something yesterday. I don't remember where I saw it, but it said that for the first time in history, the U.S. has one trillion dollars in credit card debt, with all of with all the consumers and their credit cards. One trillion dollars. Who's going to be the bad guy on that? Is it going to go to the banks and they're going to have to eat a lot of it because that there a lot of that's not going to get paid back. I think that what we're going to see, even with these FICO scores, I think you're going to see them to continue to be tweaked a little bit. For them to, the last few years, being able to add rental data and utilities data, like Kurt was saying, um, those are helping all of those thin file people out there that maybe wouldn't have had a credit file up until then. But yeah, I think there's still a lot to remains to be seen since 2020 when everything was shut down for so long. It's again, this is not one of the most sizzling topics like chat GPT and all the exciting <laughs> things, but I really do appreciate you guys coming on and giving us an update on this and please keep us posted as to changes as they're coming. We'd love to get updates from you periodically, but grateful to have you here joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you both very much. You bet. It's really good. Thanks guys. Hey, listeners, this hot topic would not be possible without our sponsors. I want to say a special thank you again to Byte Software, Finastra, Total Expert, Candor Technologies, Simple Nexus, iEmergent, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, and Modex. Be sure to check out each of those sponsors and their sponsor on our website, Lincoln on Lending, at the sponsorship page. Thank you. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.